0: Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Fastened to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Have you ever done or said something to a certain individual? Only to have them give you a second chance. Aren't you thankful that there are times in life when people will afford you a second chance? I really believe that when you read the gospel and you begin exploring the great truths revealed in the New Testament, that one of the things that you find out is the gospel is a message that offers second chances. And all of us from time to time need what we might call a second chance. We're going to look at one particular individual that needed, I believe, a second chance. And God is a God of second chances. And so in looking at the book of Acts, we read of the missionary efforts or endeavors of two men who were very prolific in their undertakings in the first century. Paul and Barnabas. And their adventures are certainly set forth in the historical account of the growth of the church in the book of Acts by the inspired penman Luke. We come into contact with this young man Mark. He's also called John in chapter 12. Now bear in mind that Paul and Barnabas are about to embark upon their first missionary journey. And what we're going to find is that John Mark is going to bail on these men. And so in chapter 12, we read of the devious work of Herod. And uh, the Bible tells us in the first part of the chapter that Herod had James put to death with the sword. Peter had been apprehended and when he was miraculously freed from prison he came to a house and uh, in that particular house there was a lady by the name of Mary and Mary was the mother of John whose surname was Mark in verse 12. Down in verse 24 we read of the Word of God growing and multiplying and certainly we read of that over and over again in the book of Acts. The church was growing and multiplying enormously in the first century. In verse 25, the text tells us that Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now if you drop down to verse 5 in chapter 13, you'll read of Mark's place in the ministry. And what I would want to say is simply this, there is a place for every person in the body of Christ to contribute. The Bible talks about how there are many members, yet one body in First Corinthians chapter 12 at verse 20. And all of us as members of the kingdom of God have to pool our resources and talents together and thus contribute to the cause of Christ and such was the case in the lives of the apostles as well as the early disciples. And so in verse 5, the Bible tells us that they arrived in Salamis and there they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And this was something that Paul and Barnabas and Paul and the apostles did on a regular basis. They often looked for opportunities to preach and teach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. And the reason was because the gospel is God's power to salvation based on what Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16. Well, drop down now if you would and look at verse 13. In verse 13, we find Mark parting from the ministry. First of all, we think about his place in the ministry, but then in verse 13, Luke tells us about his parting from the ministry. In verse 13, Luke said, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Now, maybe you, like me, have asked from time to time, wonder why John Mark left these men. And really the scriptures, as far as I know, do not say explicitly why John Mark decided to leave them, to abandon the work. There are any number of, I guess, theories that have been promulgated and, I guess, one is as good as another some would say that john mark became homesick and maybe that was maybe that was the case sometimes young individuals they'll go away from home or they'll uh, leave home for an extended period of time only to become homesick those of us that have gone away to college we understand what that means to go away and you miss you miss your folks well that's only normal and natural some have suggested that maybe it was out of fear and I think that might be a logical explanation. If you look over in chapter 15, in verse 23, you'll read about Barnabas and Paul, and it was said of them that they risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 26, persecution was something that was common to the first century church. Jesus said, you remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And when you begin to read the book of Acts, one of the things that stands out is these men were under fire constantly. All of the apostles and many of the New Testament Christians that you read about in the first century, they were literally laying their lives on the line for the cause of Christ. The book of Revelation was written to individuals who were facing a siege of persecution. Domitian was on the throne and Domitian was a bloodthirsty emperor. As a matter of fact, he demanded that people address him as Lord and God. And so John wrote the book of Revelation in an effort to encourage God's people to hold on and go on. And so persecution was prevalent. And it may have been the case that that John Mark was fearful. And then it might potentially be the case that maybe John Mark lacked the spiritual maturity to stay with the work. And... That's no indictment against him. Sometimes people are in that growing process as children of God. You remember Peter said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3, verse 18, Not every Christian is alike, spiritually speaking. We're not all on the same plane. We're striving to become mature in the, in the eyes of God. We're striving to equip ourselves to serve the Lord. But we're not all on the same plane. We, not, we don't all obey the gospel at the same time. We don't all uh, spend the necessary time and effort that is required to grow spiritually. And so some individuals are, are more uh, progressed in the faith than others. But those would be some of the reasons that I would offer as to why uh, John Mark left Barnabas and Paul. But then look, if you would, in chapter 15. we talked just a moment ago about his place in the ministry, his parting from the ministry, and now I want you to look at his presence in the ministry. And what you're going to read about in chapter 15 is a disagreement occurs between Paul and Barnabas. In verse 36, they've already gone on their first missionary tour, and now they're about to embark upon their second missionary tour. And so in verse 36, Luke said, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And I think that here we have a good, good insight into, into the concern of Paul uh, for the church as a whole and for the various churches that he had helped to establish. You recall over in 2 Corinthians when Paul itemized some of the things that he had faced in life by way of difficulties, In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, one of the things that he said that that was a burden to him was the care of all the churches. Paul, I believe, was very concerned about the Lord's church, and so he he wanted to see about their spiritual welfare. Verse 37, Luke said that Barnabas was determined to take with them John, called Mark. Now look at verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now look at verse 39. We talk about this disagreement that arose between Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas, I believe, were very close in the faith. They had spent a lot of time together. And they were were both co-laborers in the kingdom of God. But Luke said in verse 39, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being committed by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's just think for a moment about this disagreement that emerged between Paul and Barnabas. First of all, take note of the fact that it wasn't anything doctrinal that that caused this rift between them. We're not talking about some kind of doctrinal matter here. But rather, this was a personal disagreement. This was, for lack of a better way to say it, an opinion that was shared by Barnabas on the one hand and Paul on the other. Now, what strikes me is, even though they disagreed, they departed, they disagreed about the work, but then they later departed to do the work. Look again at what is said. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, and thus went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Just because these two men disagreed did not mean that they would impede the overall work of the church. In other words, they weren't going to allow this personal disagreement over John Mark to hurt the cause of Christ. Now, by way of application, I fear sometimes that in the realm of opinion, that the church, and I'm talking about the local church here, sometimes decisions will be made. And maybe as a body of people, let's just say here is a congregation of God's people, a decision is made. Some of the members disagree with that. Well, that is their prerogative. You and I, all of us, we have the right to agree or disagree. We don't have to all be in agreement. But we do all have to think about the overall work of the church. And in the realm of opinion, we may disagree, but ultimately we're going to strive to agree. Why? Because the cause of Christ is paramount. Something's wrong. Again, they're causing division. Well, what's the point? The point is that Paul and Barnabas disagreed here. They didn't disagree over anything doctrinal in nature. I haven't read anything in the book of Acts that says or suggests to me that that John Mark did something unscriptural and thus that caused the fallout between Paul and Barnabas. It was a matter of opinion. And I believe that Paul, he had his reasons and Barnabas had his reasons and they were not willing to give an inch. So be it. But they did not let that disrupt the work of the church. How do I know that? Because they disagreed but then they departed to do the work. And so what am I trying to say? What I'm trying to say is simply this. Let us never allow our own opinions, our own wants and desires, our personal disagreements to circumvent the work of the church. And when I look at the lives of Paul and Barnabas, I see two men who did not allow their personal disagreement to impede the cause of You remember what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4? Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 verse 3, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I believe with all my heart that the Apostle Paul wanted unity and peace to prevail in the body of Christ. Why? Because that's what Jesus wanted. That's why the psalmist said, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. All right, now, we talk about John Mark bailing on Paul and Barnabas. But now I want you to look over, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. I said that John Mark bailed from the apostle Paul. He bailed on Paul. Let me just ask this question. Has anybody ever bailed on you? Has there ever been a time in your life when you've needed someone to stand with you? You've needed support. You've needed encouragement. You've needed somebody to help you down the road of life, and they bailed on you. Well, all of us have. And listen, don't think John Mark was the the only person that bailed on Paul. He wasn't. How do I know that? Well, just drop down and look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 at verse 16. Paul said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. Now listen to him. But all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. Here's Paul saying that tough times had come in his life. And what happened? All men forsook him. It happens. People are human beings. They will sometimes let you down. We are not perfect. None of us. I'm sure I have let others down from time to time. Did I mean to? I hope not. But if I did, why did that happen? Probably because I'm a human being. I am an imperfect person. Well, such was the case with Paul. Or rather, such was the case with with John Mark. Such was the case concerning the people that let Paul down based on verse 16. But now in verse 17, Paul said, But the Lord stood with me, and strengthened me, that the message might be preached fully through me. So even though everybody else may have forsaken Paul, he could say this, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It may be that other people are going to walk, walk away from us. It may be that some will bail on us, but guess what? The Lord will never bail on us. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew writer said, speaking of God, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, what shall man do unto me? Now look at verse 11 in chapter 4. We think about John Mark bailing on Paul. But in verse 11, we find Paul asking for John Mark to be brought to him. So on the one hand, you have him bailing on Paul. And then on the other hand, you have have the apostle asking him to be brought to him. Well, let's just read verse 11. Let me just very quickly tell you what the context is. Paul is writing his very last inspired letter. He knows that death is imminent. As a matter of fact, in verse 6, he said, I'm already being offered, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Death was looming before Paul. Historians state that Paul was put to death by Nero Caesar. He was beheaded. And so in verse 11... Here's what Paul said, only Luke is with me. That is, Luke the inspired historian, the writer of the book of Acts, as well as the gospel of Luke. Get Mark and bring him with you. Why? For he is useful to me for ministry. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that this man who at one time had bailed on him is now to be brought to him, and the reason given is because he's useful to me. What did I say the, the theme of our study is? The gospel of second chances. Paul gave John Mark a second chance. Now, somebody might ask the question, why the change of heart? What, what brought about Paul's change of attitude? Again, you and I can only surmise. Let me just offer a couple of reasons. Maybe John Mark had matured. I mean, it may have very well been the case that John Mark was spiritually immature. And because of his immaturity, he bailed. He walked away. But now he has become more mature in the faith. His feet are firmly planted in the gospel. He has grown as a Christian. He has matured in the faith. As a matter of fact, did you know that John Mark was the writer of the gospel according to Mark? I mean, that right there suggests that he had grown spiritually. But then there may be a second reason. And that is, maybe John Mark had by now... Proven himself. Do you remember one of the qualifications given for those who would serve as deacons in Second, or rather, in First Timothy chapter three at verse ten? Paul said, "Let a man first prove himself." Well, to me, that suggests that those who would function as deacons need to be proven, and and by that, I simply mean they need to they need to. Be seen as men who are dependable, responsible in the kingdom of God. They've they've been given certain responsibilities, and they have been faithful in their stewardship of those responsibilities. Maybe John Mark had by now proven himself. He's now proven himself to Paul. Look, I'm in this thing just like you are. And if that if that was the case, then so be it. But here's the question for us: What challenges our out? Al- altitude. We ask the question what brought about Paul's change of attitude? But what would challenge our altitude for the cause of Christ? Is it not the case that the Lord wants us to soar as servants of His? I believe that He does. And I believe that that's one of the reasons that He is the God of second chances. God understands that we're going to make mistakes from time to time. We're not perfect. We're going to come short of the glory of God. We're we're going to do things. We're going to say things. We're going to leave undone things that should be done. And so we are granted a second opportunity. If the gospel wasn't about second chances, then you and I would have no hope for pardon. Let's just think for a moment in closing. When we talk about our work in the kingdom of God, what would prevent you from soaring in altitude in service to the Lord? Let me just offer a couple of reasons why some people are not soaring as they should. Why they're not seizing what we might call a second chance. Number one, the fear of failure. You ever thought about how many people are literally paralyzed by fear? They have the idea, you know what, I would do this, I'd be involved in this work, or I'd I'd go here, or I'd go there, but I'm just too fearful. Sometimes individuals will say, you know what, I would teach a class, or I would lead singing, or I would lead prayer, or I would I would be responsible for this work team or that work team. Or I would engage in one-on-one Bible studies, but I just lack the courage to do so. Fear. Fear of failure. Fear that somebody's going to reject us or say no, or fear we're going we're to mess up or make a mistake. Listen, life is about making mistakes, getting up, dusting ourselves off, and going forward. But then, we talk about the fear of failure. Another thing that I believe holds people back is literally past mistakes. Look at at John Mark. Obviously he had made a mistake in the eyes of Paul. And yet Paul afforded him a second opportunity, a second chance if you please. Sometimes you and I, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to do things like we should all the time. And there are individuals within the body of Christ that will allow past mistakes. They will allow those things to prevent them from soaring as servants in the kingdom of God. Well, we don't need to do that. Let's say we've messed up. Let's say we've done something we shouldn't have. You know what the best thing to do? Ask God to forgive you. John said if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look at the life of Paul. Paul was a man who persecuted the church of God. He obeyed the gospel. And yet he did not allow the past to drag him down and impede his service to God. Do you think Paul lived in the past and just always thought about all of the heartache he caused God's people in days gone by? I'm sure that it was in his mind. But I don't, th- I don't think he allowed that to drag him down in his service to the kingdom of God. When he wrote to the church at Philippi, he said, Forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward. He went on to say, I press toward the call of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to make mistakes. But don't allow those things to impede you. Don't allow those things to, to prevent you from being what you can be in the kingdom of God. And then let me just suggest a third thing. And this has to do with spiritual immaturity. Some of us are not what we could be and what we should be because we are not spiritually mature. We're not where we should be. If you and I were to see somebody 15 or 16 years old walking around with a pacifier in his or her mouth, we would think we would conclude something's not right here. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 5, when by reason of time you ought to be teachers, you have need that someone teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. What was holding the Hebrew Christians back in the first century, spiritual immaturity. Maybe you and I are not where we ought to be spiritually speaking. Well, guess what? God will give you a second chance. All you have to do is determine within your heart, you know what, I'm not going to remain spiritually immature. I'm not going to stay a babe in Christ forever. But I'm going to do like Peter said, I'm going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You and I, we can make that determination. God is very good. He is very gracious. And he is the God of second chances. And so when Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, Get Mark, bring him to me, for he is useful to me for ministry. Let me just close by saying this. I do not know where all of you are, spiritually speaking, but I know this. God can use you. You see, God is the God of second chances. You can be useful for the cause of Christ. Many members, one body. takes all of us working together. The question is, will you do your part? Will you share your load in the body of Christ? In closing, let me just ask this question. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Aren't you thankful that on Pentecost Day that those who were assembled, many of whom had been present when Jesus was put to death, some of whom may have had a part in his death, when they cried out to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. God offered them pardon. God was going to give them a second chance, if you please. A second chance in life. That's why when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, he could say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God will give you a second opportunity, a new lease on life. It may be that you're here tonight. Maybe you're not faithful. Maybe your life is not what it could be and what it should be. May I suggest that you repent Turn from your indifference, your apathy, whatever's holding you back. Turn away from that. Turn to God. He'll abundantly pardon. And God will certainly forgive. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the the anchor of the soul. Unfold their wings of strife. When the strong tides lift and the cables strain, will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul. Steadfast and sure while the billows roll. Fastened to the rock which cannot move. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. Hi, I'm Mike Hickson. We hope you've enjoyed the Anchor of the Soul radio broadcast. Our worship services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ begin at 10 a.m. each Sunday morning. Our Sunday evening service starts at 6 p.m. If you're in the Olive Branch area, we would love to have you visit with us. Services at the Olive Branch Church of Christ are streamed live over the Internet each week. Please visit our website for additional details. That website is www.olibranchchurchofchrist.org. Join us again next Sunday morning on this station at 8.30 a.m. for the Anchor of the Soul. This is a presentation of Spiritual Sword Media.